Well, good morning, everyone. So wonderful to see all of you here this morning. I'm Pastor Tim Trometer, and I am honored to be here to serve among you. David wrote in his first lines of Psalm 103, Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Today I invite you to share in David's words of adoration and praise uh, as we come into this place to praise our God who is the author of every good thing in our lives. He is the one who forgives and he is the one who heals. He redeems and crowns us with love and mercy. And today we gather to worship in this place and in this space, and we echo David's words of praise. So let's take a moment to pray together this morning. Holy God, we praise you with our whole hearts. Let us never forget the great works that you have done in our lives. We praise you for your forgiveness and for your healing in all of the forms that it takes. We praise you for your love and for your mercy. Be present in these moments, God. It's in the name of Jesus the Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, we are in week two of our series titled Foundations, Building Healthy Relationships. And last week, we started to lay the foundation of building healthy relationships by looking at our created nature and how we have been created in the image of a relational God and called to live not only in relationship with God, but to live in relationship with other people. And today we're going to dive into some practical relational building tools. And today is all about filling our relational tool belt. It's kind of an education tool that uh, educators use working with kids is use filling your tool belt. And while most of these, or all of these 10 things um, we'll be talking, talking through today are, are, may seem like common sense and are things that you already know or should already know, and it will be a review, I believe that it will be very good for us to walk through these. And as we open ourselves to God working today, that we will be revitalized in these 10 steps, these 10 processes, and it will help us as we are reminded how we can empower implement these strategies in our current relationships and in the new relationships we're forming in our day-to-day lives. When I was a child, I was a very sociable child. Um, I didn't have any problem making friends, uh, and this was different from my older brothers. My oldest brother was very shy when he was younger. And he didn't make friends as quickly as, as I did because uh, he was shy around new people. And as an extrovert, uh, I would often just go up and start conversations with people. And my mom, in fact, would often say that she would lose me in crowds and would randomly find me sitting on the lap of random people talking to them. And, but it was a different time. Um, nowadays, that's kind of, I don't want my kids doing that. Um, but it's, that's the way I was growing up. Recently, I was, I was reading some notes from a seminar that I had attended that was talking about uh, introverts and extroverts and how they communicate. And the thought process that each goes through 
And I was not surprised as I, as I remembered what was said, but it stated that introverts process what they're going to say prior to saying it. And, and if you're an introvert, this sounds familiar probably. And, and they think through the logical conversation that may happen and what they're going to say, how they're going to say it, and why they're going to say it, and the possible response that they could get. And maybe even they may go a step or two farther with the, the responses that they may come up with based upon the responses that they may get. And then they may or may not start that conversation. That's the introverted approach to starting conversations. Now, conversely, a typical extrovert will enter into a new conversation by saying anything and everything that comes into their mind. It could be the most random thought process, but it's just the first thing, oh, a red carpet. My aunt has red hair. How are you? (laughs) And that could be the way an extrovert starts a conversation with someone they've never met in their life. Because that's the way an extrovert thinks in new situations. It doesn't matter the thought process. It's just how do we break the ice? And a random conversation starter is fine. Which if you've experienced the first conversation with me, you will probably know which category I fall into. Whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, there's more to building a healthy relationship than being able to start a conversation. Starting a conversation may be easy for some people and more challenging for other people. And similarly, starting a relationship may seem easier for some and more challenging for others, but nurturing and developing a healthy, vibrant, thriving, authentic relationship can be a very challenging process. If one lacks the practical tools necessary and needed to develop that relationship. And so I want to ask you a rhetorical question. Um, Have you ever been in a bad relationship? A toxic relationship? Um, A bad marriage? A bad dating relationship? A toxic work environment? A family situation? A friend that took advantage of you? uh, uh, Someone in your life that, that just crossed the line? Someone that hurt you, someone who who broke your heart, maybe not in the last 40 years, but someone who broke your heart, financial infidelity, physical, mental, or spiritual abuse. Odds would indicate that each one of us here in this room today have had some kind of bad or toxic relationship in our lives. Every single one of us. And you don't have to be in a bad relationship for very long to know that you don't want to be in a bad relationship for very long. You don't have to experience a bad relationship for very long to know that you want something more than a bad relationship. Today we're going to step through some scripture and 10 keys to unlocking the doors to healthy Christian relationships. And each one of these keys you can apply we can apply to our daily lives right now, today. And yes, every one of these keys you already know. That's the wonderful thing, wonderful thing about learning. When you learn something new, you've, you're actually not learning anything you don't know already. It's just reframing something you already know. You don't need to study a guide. You don't need to take a class to learn how to develop and nurture healthy relationships. And you can start using each one of these tools today 
to nurture and develop the relationships you currently have and the, current, and the relationships that you're going to build going forward. And so there's going to be a lot of content today, and we're going to process through it very quickly. Because as I said, you know all of this already. But I ask you to just be patient through these steps. And I encourage you to take notes. Because I truly believe, from the bottom of my, my heart, I truly believe that when we come into worship expecting to meet God, that God shows up. And then when we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, and then when we dive into Scripture and we apply it to our lives, that our hearts can be radically transformed. And Wesley called it that, that my, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And that when we come to worship not expecting God, we end up not meeting God. And so knowing that this will be review, that's okay. But I encourage you to expect to meet God in it anyways. And I would encourage you to flip over to the back of your worship guide, to grab a pen out of the pew, and just to be ready to take notes. Because I, I'm praying that God will speak something through all of this information today to you that will help you with that one relationship that you want to better, that one thing in your life right now that you've been praying for, that one person that you wrote down on your invest invite cards that you have been praying for, whether it's a son, a daughter, a friend, a coworker, that one relationship in your life. And so to lay the foundation this morning, we're going to look at Jesus' words that he gave in response to the Pharisees who were trying to trap Jesus in his words. And they were trying to get Jesus to say something heretical so that they could report him back to the chief priests so that he would be arrested. But it didn't work because Jesus is God. Go figure. Jesus responds to the Pharisees by quoting Deuteronomy 6. And so from Jesus' words uh, found in Matthew 22, we find this account. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to discuss the, him again. One of them, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, and this is what comes out of Deuteronomy. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Most know the passage, this passage, as the great commandment or the Great Commandments. And in Methodist circles, this passage is paired with, with this concept of Christian perfection and, and moving on to perfection, uh, as Wesley would call it, and fully loving God and fully loving neighbor. But Jesus says that the entire law of Moses, that's the first five books of the Old Testament, and, and all of the sayings of the prophets, that's a big chunk of the rest of the Old Testament, are based on these two commands. That's like saying the bulk of the Old Testament is summed up in these two things, love God and love other people. What do you need to be able to do both of those things? You need to be able to build and keep healthy relationships. If you can't form and develop and sustain healthy relationships, how can you truly love God and truly love neighbors? Last week, 
I drew some amazing pictures. For those of you who missed it, I don't know if I can capture the aesthetic beauty that was presented in front of the church, but I will try. I drew a triangle like this. It represented God, the Trinity, living in relationship with God's self, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then I I drew a self-portrait, my own Van Gogh, of myself. And I said, we have to live in relationship with God, created in the image of God, that God is constantly pouring out to us. And that we have a choice to respond. Sometimes we don't. But God is always, 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 and everywhere, always pouring out grace, love, and mercy to us. But we live in relationship with God. That's part of our created nature. But also we're called to live in relationship with other people. And so I drew some more pictures of other people, like so, more stick figures in our circle here. And as we connect relationally with other people, the love of God is spread through other people. And as God works through others and works through us, we have this unending cycle happening and a figure eight happening. And if we don't live out our relationships with God, change colors. If we don't connect with God here, the cycle is broken between us and God. If we don't live out our relationships with other people here, the cycle is broken with others. Either way you look at it, a fundamental tenet of living in relationship with God and with others creates the framework of our ability to live out the great commandment. I submit that to you today. Our ability to live out the great commandment, to love God and love others, hinges upon our ability to live in relationship. Because if we can't live in relationship with God, and we can't live in relationship with others, how are we supposed to love God or love others? They're directly connected. So, I'm going to walk you through these ten keys to building healthy relationships. And each of these keys can be used today to help you unlock relationships in your life and in the days ahead. And whether you are growing in one area or you're growing in all ten, it doesn't matter. Growth in any area can improve a relationship. So we're going to dive right in with key number one. It's not a countdown, sorry. Key number one is start with yourself. Start with yourself. So when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, He responded by quoting the law of Moses in Deuteronomy 6. And he said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, often we view these words as our calling to love others and to love God. Others and God. However, we miss the point that it also implies that we must love ourselves. We are charged to love others as we love ourselves. Now, many of us fail to love ourselves very well. We're pretty good at criticizing ourselves, which in reality sabotages our ability to love ourselves. So the first key to healthy relationships is to start loving ourselves. And that may seem self-serving or self-seeking, but 
Learning to love ourselves and to take care of ourselves is a key part of learning to love other people because Jesus himself said we have to love others like we love ourselves, and if we fail to love ourselves, if we fail to invest in ourselves, how are we ever going to be able to truly love someone else? So here are three essentials to self-care. First thing is spiritual health. How are you loving yourself spiritually? We need to learn to love ourselves spiritually. Are you investing in yourself in Scripture? Do you feed yourself in Scripture? Do you read your Bible? Not books that tell you what the Bible says, but do you read what the Bible actually says? I love a good devotional reader. I do. But do you read the Bible? Do you pray? Do you spend time in prayer? Connecting with God. Are you in an accountability group, a life group that supports you? Spiritual health is a vital part of self-care. Emotional health is a vital part of self-care. Are you investing in time of retreat? The world presses down on us if we don't take time away, time off. It can destroy our lives. Do you build in margin into your day? I had to explain to my nine-year-old what margin was the other day. I go, you know that little red line on the paper? She goes, yeah, that's the margin. You don't write into the margin. That's the extra space that you leave. Oh, we need margin and extra space for our emotional health. Accountability. Do you vent to your spouse, your kids? Is that it? Do you have someone else that you can be accountable to? Physical health. This is hard for me, but do you treat yourself like an athlete or do you teach, treat yourself like a toddler? Nutrition is very important. My dad always said, garbage in, garbage out. But it is important that we take care of our bodies. How do you love yourself? Do you exercise? Do you go out in the sun? When I lived in southwest Kansas and we had ailments, the doctor said, how many days do you go outside in the sunlight? It can change your world. Start with yourself. If you hear nothing else today, start with yourself. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. If you're not loving yourself, you will find it very difficult to love another person. Key number two is be faithful. Key number two is be faithful. To be faithful means, the dictionary defines it as loyal, consistent, or steadfast. Faithfulness is a key to healthy relationships because faithfulness is a choice. Faithfulness is a choice just as faith in Jesus Christ is a choice, and it's a gift. Faithfulness in a relationship is a choice and a gift. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in a time of need. Healthy Christian relationships require faithfulness from us, even when it's hard. Faithfulness requires greater love, because sometimes our relationships can become a strain, and they can become a drain on our lives. Because sometimes, from personal experience, I am not insinuating anything about your relationships, but from personal experience, some people in my life can be hard to love. And it takes the intentional choice to be faithful to them. And I have to choose to be faithful. So be faithful. Key number three is speak encouraging words. 
The fact of the matter is that words are powerful weapons in this world. And while you may believe that the old adage that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you, or that, um, you know, your words are like rubber and or I'm like glue or something like that. I never got that one all the way. Um, our culture today is not like that. It used to be words could be removed from culture and society and be forgotten. You could burn a document and it no longer existed. You could burn a book and it could be erased from human history. Once you email something, post it online, it's in the cloud and it's there forever. When I was interviewing for my first teaching contract, I found out later that the interview board that I was on the phone conference call with had my, pro my Facebook profile projected on the wall as they were interviewing me. And they were going through all of my online profile pages during the interview. I have a friend who was not hired from a job because of a post that they had put on Facebook in college. It's a different world. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You have a choice with the words that you can use. You can either build or you can destroy in the world. Now, healthy Christian relationships are only built in one way. And you will rarely, rarely ever hear me give an absolute in life. Because I, I, I struggle with absolutes. But to this day, I have never seen a healthy relationship built on destructive words. Now, I could be wrong in that, and I'm okay with being wrong in that. But to this day, I have not seen negative or destructive words build a healthy relationship. So speak encouraging words. Anything less is destructive. Key number four is be friendly. Now, attitude isn't everything. Attitude isn't everything, but it does make up the majority. Your attitude is, if your attitude is grouchy or angry or pessimistic all the time, you will struggle to live in healthy Christian relationship. No one wants to be a friend who is constantly, with a friend who is constantly bitter and negative all the time. You know, people say that misery loves company, but anyone who lives in misery for a while knows that it just breeds more loneliness and bitterness. Proverbs 18.24 says that there are, quote, friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Now, you don't have to be happy all the time. That's not realistic. Um, but healthy Christian relationships require a measure of friendliness. So be a friend who sticks together instead of a friend who destroys. One of the greatest love passages in the Bible is from 1 Corinthians 1.13. And key number five is to practice love. Practice love. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is used in wedding services, and, and we all know that Paul did not intend 1 Corinthians 13 to be used as a wedding passage. It was intended to be used as a, as a message to a people in a church about what it was like to live in relationship in a church. But we know the passage, and it goes like this. It goes, love is patient and kind. 
Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. And it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every situation. Here's the thing. If we are to practice love in the world, in our relationships then we have to become love for the world to see. So we're going to do something a little bit different. And we're going to go through this passage again. And here's what I want you to do. This is going to be interactive. I want everyone to say their name. Not, don't say your name, but like actually your name. So my name's Tim, so I'll say Tim. But I want you to say your name. Everybody at, at the same time, say your name. Tim. We're going to do this passage again. And I'm going to read it. But every time the word love is on the passage, I want you to say your name. Okay? So when I, when I go, I'm going to go like this. And that's your cue to say your name. Does everyone understand what we're doing? All right. Let's do this together. If we're to become love, we need to... Oh, wait. I haven't done it. I haven't done it yet. If we are to become love, we need to embody love. And what better way to do that than to use the verse that we've heard so many times. So we're going to read this together, and we're going to become love in this verse. And so, let's do this together. Tim is patient and kind. Tim is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Tim does not demand Tim's own way. Tim is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged, does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Tim never gives up. Tim never loses faith. Tim is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This is what it looks like to practice love. When you forget what it looks like to practice love in that relationship that's toxic, I encourage you to think of 1 Corinthians 13, not from the marriage ceremony, but think about it in your life. Ask yourself, am I measuring up? Put your name into it. And practice love. Key number six is help in times of trouble. Hey, there it is. See, I didn't make it up. It was planned. Help in times of trouble. Galatians 6, 2 says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. As our previous teaching series taught us, being a part of Christ's church is remaining connected to each other. We cannot and should not go it alone in life. God lives in relationship with the Trinity, The Trinity lives in relationship with us, and we, as humankind, are meant to live in relationship with other people. And in doing so, we also bear the responsibility of carrying the load with each other in their times of need. Part of living in healthy relationship with other people means helping others in their times of trouble. And that takes on different forms with different people in different times. But that's a part of it. Key number seven is praying for one another. Praying for one another. This key 
I believe that this key could be one of the most forgotten, most important keys to building healthy Christian relationships. For many, prayer is a last resort. Prayer is meant to be ingrained into our very being. Paul said we're to live as though we pray without ceasing so that we would live as though our very lives are a prayer to God. In James 5, we find these words, Confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. To build healthy relationships, we need to pray together and for each other. This means praying for and in your relationships. And it also means that we pray with people. When was the last time you held the hand of a close friend and prayed with them? Or put your hand on their shoulder and prayed for them when you were with them? Don't neglect prayer because it is a vital part of a healthy Christian relationship. Key number eight is pursue peace. Let's face it. Let's face facts here. Peace often comes with a personal cost. Peace comes with a personal cost. In order to obtain peace, we must pay the personal cost of surrendering our own way for another's. Compromise does not lead to peace. It just delays the inevitable conflict in most situations. Peacemaking in a healthy relationship happens when one side makes the conscious decision to let their desires or position be set aside for the betterment of a relationship. We say the words submission and submit and and we cringe. But think logically for a moment. Compromise in in a relationship doesn't fix the problem. It often just prolongs the debate, sets it aside for another day, creates a demilitarized zone, that can stand for years. To thrive in a healthy Christian relationship, we must pursue peace, and it's challenging work, and it's not easy. Sometimes it feels like one step forward and two steps back, but still we're called to be peacemakers, and so we remember Paul's words in Romans 12, which says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Key number nine Key number nine is know how to deal with offense. Know how to deal with offense. Whether we're talking about a couple, coworkers, best friends from high school, or any other relationship you can think of, there will come a time when one person in a relationship will upset the other. The question is not, will your relationship um, be upset? The question is, how will you react when your relationship struggles? The question is about your response. Jesus says in Matthew 18, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. One of the most common mistakes that we make when our relationships get tense is that we go to the wrong people. Jesus says to go to the person that we have a problem with and have a private conversation with them about the specific issue. What we often do is we go public with the issue 
or we go to people who are not involved in the issue, seeking support or validation. You know, there's a word for that. Does anyone know what it is? Gossip. Yeah, it's gossip. There's some scriptures about that too. The way I define gossip, this is my personal definition of gossip. If I am talking to, about a conflict or an issue with someone who is not a part of the problem or a part of the solution, it's gossip. If a person that I'm talking to is not a part of the problem or the solution, it's gossip. Know how to deal with the offense. Go directly to that person. And it will help you build a healthier relationship. Key number 10, the final key this morning. Forgive each other. Yeah, save the best for last. That's the easy one, right? 70 times 7? Yeah, pretty simple. Forgiveness is not easy because it means that we've been hurt in a significant way. There's nothing easy about forgiveness. And next week, we're going to dig into this one in depth because there's no way I can do forgiveness, any justice, in two minutes. And so next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness, and we're going to talk about reconciliation, and we're going to talk about the difference between those two concepts. But for today, I want you to know that healthy relationships require the capacity to forgive. Forgiveness is not something that we self-generate, though. Instead, it's something that we emulate and we recreate as it's demonstrated for us. Paul says in Ephesians 4 to get rid of all bitterness, anger, rage, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. The Apostle Paul is clear that we forgive and we model forgiveness that we have already received. Eugene Peterson says it this way in his paraphrase. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoughtfully as God and Christ forgave you. In order to build, build healthy, sustaining Christian relationships with others, we must choose to forgive as God chose to forgive. Similarly, to peacemaking, it takes sacrifice on our part. It takes a willingness to not get justice, to not get fair and equal treatment. It means that forgiveness is not fair, and it's not. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I'm grateful that it's not, and I hope, I truly hope that you're grateful that forgiveness is not fair, because if it were fair, there would be no place for us in, in heaven because there is nothing that we could ever do to change the damage that sin has done in our world and in our lives. And that is why we're in need of a Savior. And that is why Jesus came, sacrificed his life on a cross, so that we could have eternal life, which is not fair. And I'm grateful that it's not fair. That's unmerited, undeserved grace. And I'm grateful. And that's why we're here to worship him, the author of every great blessing in our lives, the author of love and forgiveness. And so I, I, want, I would encourage you today to take just a moment to think about a couple of questions and, and to dream with me for just a moment. 
what would it look like in your life? Assuming that it doesn't look like this already. If you didn't have any bad relationships. If there were no toxic relationships, either at work, at home. If you never had to deal with a toxic environment. Unrealistic expectations from family members. What if bitterness didn't invade your life because of a relationship? What if, instead of being depressed because of your relationships, you began to thrive through them? Because you were able to build, nurture, and develop healthy relationships. God created us to live in relationship with each other and with Him. We have the keys. We knew them already. We had the keys, and we have the keys to change the dynamics of our relationships. We have the control, and we have the free will to unlock the potential in our lives. And the choice is ours whether we're willing to choose to do those things. Are we willing to choose to forgive, to choose to be peacemakers, to choose not to gossip, to choose to step out and be the people that intentionally nurture those relationships. I pray that each of us here would be those people. Let's take a moment and pray. Awesome God, we are so grateful for your son Jesus who came to save us and we know that we have been created to live in relationship with you and with others. Where we need a clean break, Lord, give us the courage to step out in faith. Where we need healing, God, heal us in the way that only you can. Forgive the sins of our hearts and grant us the grace we so desire to forgive others. We thank you for walking with us each day of our lives. It's in the name of Jesus the Christ that we pray. Amen.